The Hit Mix 107.5 FM The Power Station The Power Station With Colin Curtis
state and uh, you know it is it happens each and every week of course uh, but each and every month each and every week I'm here on a Sunday of course with the Jazz Dance and Fusion that lands from 2 o'clock till 5 uh, this Sunday I'll be down at the Pop Bank in Stoke and uh, along with Tim Ashibandi and uh, Mr Dean Broadbent of course I know Miss Doris actually he's um a little bit of northern coming down for there. So if you're around in Stoke-on-Trent at the Pop Bank on Sunday between the hours, I think, from 3 until 8.30, something like that. So I'm going to be down there. I'm in London tomorrow. But tonight, we've got another show in the Soul Series and uh, four hours of music. Hopefully, Brian will stick with me for all four hours <laughs> falling asleep. Um, but my guest tonight is the one and only Twisted Wheel legend and uh, beyond. And he's got plenty of music to play beyond that as well. But good evening, Mr. Brian Phillips. Good evening, Colin. And um, I, I'm going to I'm going to start right like the way back. I mean, because you were talking to me just uh, you know before we started the show. There, let me take you take you back to you know the influences, the music that was influencing you when you were saying you were 12 years old. Tell me how that came about. Well, my brother went to the uh, the old wheel, and um, originally I think he actually played Bob Dylan, which actually is still one of my favourite artists. He got me into Bob Dylan. But quickly, to when Roger Eagle got there, the man who really built the Twisted Wheel, really, he started playing the R&B stuff. Bo Diddley, uh, Chuck Berry and um, Sonny Bo Williamson. Little Milton. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that kind of feel. all I mean, that. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of that stuff was on chess records, as, as, yeah. as you said earlier. My favourite artist was Bo Diddley and I had that on my T-shirt when I was just going to school, on the back of my T-shirt, because <laughs> we didn't have uniforms where I went. <laughs> had that and a combat jacket, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, but pretty pretty advanced to be to be right. Yeah. I mean, twelve years old going to school with uh, with Sonny Boy Williamson and t-shirts, muddy waters, muddy waters as well. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, well, the Stones they were you know with Little Red Rooster and all that. Yeah, we had you know Smokes That Line. It was one of my favourite records at the time. Brilliant uh, tunes. And, 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 and later on, of course, it's all over now, which, you know, the Tick yeah, from Womack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the Stones yeah. are, in, in, well, and the Beatles were influenced by, uh, yeah. by, by R&B music. And uh, he finished, he didn't go to the, I think he went once to the New Wheel when Spencer Davis was on, then he didn't bother. They went into uh, uh, more of a drinking places and what have you. Yep. But uh, I always had an affinity with the wheel for that, really. Uh, and, and the old wheel had moved on and, it was still playing some of that, but it was also playing soul, you know, early yep. soul. It would be playing Sam Cooke and Ray Charles, yep. Major Lance, Monkey Time, that, you know, and, so, uh, so, uh, and all uh, the early Motown stuff. Yes, at, at that point, is, is the Twisted Wheel an all-nighter, or is it just... Yeah, it's uh, an all-nighter. It's yeah. an all-nighter, yeah. 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 And so, so that's kicking in from 11 o'clock until 8 o'clock next morning, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was an all-nighter. Uh, I think they had early sessions and all that. Yep. The New Wheel had early sessions... But well, that that was when they moved to Whitworth Street, yeah. Yeah, okay. and there was still there was a lot, you know, there, there was all there was it, the old wheel wasn't it was all you know soul coming through early yeah. soul yeah because it it didn't shut until sixty five yes and there's plenty of soul about then you know yeah yeah but I think Roger liked to play a bit of eclectic mix and as I say that's probably why he went eventually in sixty six he did a year at the new wheel. It was kind of going away from from well, his, his kind of R and B and blues yeah. thing because he was he was fueled more by amphetamines. Yeah, uh, you know they wanted the same beat dance music. You know what I mean? It gets yep. a bit difficult trying to play. He's trying to play funky Broadway or whatever. He's trying to, you know, <laughs> early funk. Yeah, and they don't yeah. particularly, you know, no. Uh, 
I mean, I mean, you know, you talk about early funk. I mean, like raw hamburgers and stuff like that, killing the gang. I mean, I mean, there was, there was, there was some, you know, a lot of that sound which tended to be played more down south in London than yeah. than, than in the north. <clears throat> but but still play. We're still playing uh, the R and B's type. When I say that, uh, Sunny uh, um, Sugar Party Santa. Yeah, Sugar Party Santa. We're still yeah. playing that later yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fontella Bass, not Fontella Bass. Um, Bobby McClure, uh, Ezra James, and they, they, they were they were both listed. I noticed um, online this week. The Sugar Pie De Santo and Fontella Bass played at the Twisted Wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, would you go along and watch the live acts? I mean, how old were you at this point? Sort of fourteen, fifteen. Uh, when I first went to the wheel, I was actually well. I went to the early session when I was fourteen, but the all night I was fifteen, just yep. fifteen really, um, and that blew my mind really because. The early session wasn't particularly well attended. They had a Tuesday and Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, and they played... Well, mainly it was Paul Davis who did the early sessions and he played more of new releases. Yep. Some of them being the charts then. Yes, yes, Plus mixed in with some rarer stuff. Yes, yes. And, and, that, and, and that, that was a concoction of the Golden Torch at that time. I mean, if you go, I mean, the Torch again, uh, which was turned into a nightclub in 65. Uh, I was first went in 68, and there was that combination. Of, you'd hear Amen Corner, you would hear uh, the Beach Boys even do it again, oh, yeah, and stuff did, like that. They, they but played play, in with the song. They didn't play much pop, to be fair. Okay. But other clubs were. Yeah. I'd yep. been to other clubs, and they'd mix the pop dance type tunes. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Um, and they'd been playing. Uh, Soul stuff, whatever's out at the time, new new Motown stuff and yep. so on. Yeah, but probably yep. not the rarer Motown. Maybe they they started playing what was released in '67, but not what was out in you know like the 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 '65 stuff or the Spinners or certain consoles. No, I mean yeah, that's right. That. I mean I, I can you know you'd hear you'd hear uptight Stevie Wonder and 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 the the more obvious Heaven Must Have Sent You and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but no, at that, at that point I don't think anybody was digging deep. But you're going to start us off with a record that is a great affinity. And my connection, although I was living in Kidsgrove at the time, my connection with Manchester was was sealed when I bought this and Bobby uh, this Bobby Freeman Come On and Swim and the Five Piper off uh, a name you just mentioned, which we'll talk about after was going to get going. We have Colin Curtis and Brian Phillips here on Hitmix Radio 107.5 each and every month on Excellent Go. <laughs>
There we go. Three choices from uh, Brian Forty Five Phillips, and uh, we kicked off, of course, with the classic Roscoe Robinson. Uh, that's enough, and that was a record. Um, I actually bought mail order off Barry Tasker. <laughs> so yeah. I bought three records of him in total, and and that was. And in them days, of course. Um, Band records mail order, you were on 28 days, you were on postal orders, causing postal orders and sending all that. But I'd sent him a five pound note uh, with, with a, a, a pound sellotape to it as well. Uh, come on and swim, Bobby Froome, I remember. But it took, it did take about three or four weeks for it to come. And the funny thing about mail orders, as a kid as well, I used to be into Sabutio football and I used to buy the figures. And again, they were like 28 days coming. So it Later on in life, when I set up um, a mail order company selling video games, if you ordered your video game before four o'clock, then you got it next day. And that got me from about £100,000 a year to a million pound a year because that made such a difference. And you know, mm. back back with the records, we'll talk about your, your list in a minute and we'll talk about you know, some of the early guys. But uh, those three records were very much um, representative of shall we say, the more obvious of, of the big sounds um, back, back yeah, then. Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm really playing in the softer stuff to, you know, because when I started going to the all-nighters, I was, I was just 15, about 15 in a month, uh, I'd been to other soul clubs, early sessions, and what have you, and the wheel early session before that. Um, it was these sort of tunes, what you couldn't get. Yes. They might, people go on about, oh, the club soul and all that, but they weren't club soul then. They no. only played them in... No, ab- you know, absolutely they were. No, no, no. Hard to get all, you know, hard to, you, you, you didn't know that. You'd go to say, oh, don't be silly. You know, they were just deleted. They were hard to find. And, and we, we've played, um, we've just played three records on on American Import. But I mean, as you say, back then they'd be on British labels and, you know, yeah, ordinary. I mean, we, 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 we learned a trick to order some deleted stuff and, and sometimes it would come from the, the distribution when Keith and I used to order some of the British uh, titles. But uh, as you say, and th- I, I mean, I was buying off Barry Tasker because he was advertising in, in one of the fanzines. And, I didn't and know Barry ever did. I sold Barry a lot of records. Don't forget Barry. Did he ever ever? Are you getting mixed up with somebody else? That wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Barry, but it, I, thought Barry, I, I thought it was Barry. I thought it was Will with Barry Tasker. Yeah, oh, well, I don't I, think. Well, yeah, may, may, maybe it was no, somebody, but it was from Manchester. It was yeah. somebody in Manchester. It wasn't you at that time. Well, I mean, Barry I came to you. Not sure. But th- those are the three records, anyway, that were advertised. Yeah. And, and, and you know, late, later on, as, as, as you're discovering, you know, FL Moore, the, the mail order company, and you're discovering Michael Corner, I mean, later on, you would see, you know, more of that connection through Blues and Soul magazine. Um, but in the early days, no, it was, it, it's exactly what you've just said. It was tough to, f- to find records. Um, I think the first time I went to... Ralph's would have been 1970. Do you have a shop at Ralph's in Manchester? <laughs> well, I worked around the corner at the Corn <laughs> Exchange. But, so that was perfect. Uh, and I used to clean, I got, got me cleaning his windows because I got a part-time job to get some money because I was that much in debt with my records. Yeah, yeah. I was at the accountants and I used to sneak out and I, um, when I was at day release college up in Didsbury, I used to go and start cleaning windows instead of go to college. <laughs> and then I used to do windows on a Saturday. To get money because I owed everyone. I'd built yeah, up yeah, that yeah. much of a record collection. Yes. Uh, and in fact, Ralph asked me to do. Uh, he had lots of records upstairs, mm-hmm. and he knew I was knew every. You know, I thought I was like Mister Know It All about yes, all these yes. records. <laughs> this would be nineteen sixty nine, something. Uh, he asked me to go and sort them all out. Can you sort them all out? So I used to go up there. He had thousands of records up there. What what hadn't sold and what they weren't sell or return. 
But, but the next record you played, I actually got from Ralph. So we got three copies that day, but we had to wait for what was his name, Zan. But we had to wait for him to go for his dinner because he wouldn't have sold us three copies. We'd have been lucky to get one um, on the next record. But just just going back to... But, but, but Ralph then, he didn't have... There wasn't anything you could get off him. All these people who said... It was about probably 71, 70... Maybe 71 when he started bringing imports. Yeah, on. yeah. So then everyone was flooding down there and getting yeah. imports and... Same with spinning, but he didn't have anything imports before that. No, um, and and all the and, and obviously had the current new releases, and you could go and listen to them and order all that. And there was a lot of good stuff coming out in '67, '68, so on. But uh, you know, there wasn't much you could get from Ralphs in the so, rare department. So you, you you've you've come into it through you know as we've already said through through the R and B and the blues and and then you're getting into the soul. Where did you start getting your records from? Where, where were you getting your records from? And how did you accumulate enough records to start a list? And your list started in what 1968. Uh, well, 67. I was. I mean, there's obviously stuff coming out then. There's some good stuff coming out then, but basically. Uh, because I, w I worked at the uh, corn exchange in town, mm -hmm. I could run round. <laughs> there, there's, just up the road was a great market stall, uh, Shoe Dill. Yeah. You know where Shoe Dill is? Yes. Uh, just up near the, the uh, Arndale, back of the Arndale, what is now. And um, Tony's there, had hundreds and hundreds, thousands of records. And he'd get, he'd get people selling the collections, you know, people who'd, who'd got fed up and moved on to... The, the psycho scene and psychedelic scene. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd, I'd do a run three days a week. I'd, I'd get in work, clock in. So then I'd go around uh, there. Tony's just up the road, right at Tib Street Record Shop. There uh, was was Robinsons around in those days. Yeah, they, they were the, they they were on um, Bridgewater, but they only had sort of new stuff at the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd go to a place called uh, Maisel's on London Road, mm -hmm. which was right at the other end of the town. Mm -hmm. past, past where the wheel is and past Piccadilly Station, that was a bit of a run. Global? Uh, no, they weren't they there. They weren't there. I'd go to Johnny Roadhouse on Oxford Road, that was a second-hand place. Yeah. So I did it, I was a good runner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was round three, because they're putting stuff out different times of the day. Yeah. Uh, Rare Records, which had a place in the Cromford uh, place, which was all knocked down now because of the Arndale. And there's one or two other places. Later on, the co-op got hundreds, thousands of records in. Yeah. 1969-ish. And did, did you oh. have a Woolworths as well? Because we had a Woolworths that, that, that in brought Manchester, in all the Phillips and Blue Rock. And well, there was a Woolworths in the city centre, but they didn't have... I didn't see anything in there at that time. I okay. Think that may have been a bit later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But it's... Uh, you, so, so you, you buying... As you said, you use the word fanatic, and I'd use that about myself, but uh, a, a fanatic at the time, uh, initially to just to collect the records and own the records, um, and then you accumulated enough to sell them, or was the idea to, to, to accumulate plenty well, to sell? Well, I was just, just wanted to have everything. I, I, I could remember the titles very good. I had a photographic memory, yep. and you'd be... Buying, sometimes you'd buy stuff blind because of who wrote it. Or yes, well, yeah, that, so. I think that, that was the that yeah. was the internet criteria back then. I was yeah. Just a nutcase, and then I'd go start <laughs> getting going down London, getting a train down London. You could still get down two and a half hours from yeah. two hours yeah. forty. I think it yeah. was get, get down there faster then and than you, you can today. Back, you could get there and get back and still go an all nighter. Yes, 
Uh, I've done that. And <laughs> goes just wandering around anywhere in London, market stalls and all sorts. Uh, any, any names you remember down there? Did you go to Moon Dogs, play anywhere like that? That was later. That was later, That yeah. was East Ham High Street. Okay, okay. Yeah. He was nice. He was a rocky type, rockabilly type. Fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started yep. getting solid. Yeah, yep. that'd be about seventy-two, seventy-one okay. when he opened. Okay, Moon Dogs. So before that, where were you going? I mean, uh, I first went to Carnaby Street in sixty-eight. Yeah, yeah, but well, I, mean, I, I don't remember I went any round specific shops, shops, and I was going around Soho. Yep. Uh, for records, actually, no. Although there was all the temptations. Uh, um, there was market stalls in in Soho. Yep. Uh, no, I didn't really. There's some places didn't pick anyone. There was a great market stall at Whitechapel Station. Mm-hmm. I think he was called Paul's. And he had another place. I can't just remember where that was. Picked up stuff there, and then you'd go in electrical shops and you know, yeah, well, yeah, boxing was... brown coats selling Ubers. Yeah, and they'd, they'd be, you know. You'd, no, no, but I know exactly what you mean because I mean, you know, Keith and I met in in, in an electrical shop that uh, had a couple of spinners, and then behind behind the counter there was a couple of hundred records. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way it was back then. We'll, we'll continue this conversation, but we talk about this record which I got um, at a Ralph's Records in Manchester along with Keith. And uh, I've told the story many times, but on the way back home on the train, which was a single uh, train that stopped thirteen times from Manchester back to Stoke, uh, Keith had got the discotron out, and I think everybody in the carriage knew the words to this record by the time we got back to Stoke.
selected by tonight's guest, uh, Mr. Brian Paul Vibe Phillips, and uh, very representative of, of the underground scene at the time. And we kicked off there with the uh, incredible Mr. Chuck Jackson on Wand and Chains of Love. Uh, then Ready, Willing, and Able, Jimmy Holiday and uh, Cloudy King. Absolutely brilliant music. Yeah, this is the same music that got me attached to uh, the soul scene back then. And then the Spellbinders helped me, which I actually bought from uh, two copies, in fact, on British uh, from Rediffusion, which is a television shop that sells records. <laughs> so, you know, your, your descriptions of, um, of of the way record shops were back then, yeah, they're a- absolutely bang on. I mean, it, 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 it was it was much more of a mixed bag. Um, I, I think what started to take things to another level is when, uh, you know, Record Corner and um, FL Moore and people like that, you know, these things started to filter into the shops into certain shops and then of course eventually um, the bootlegs you know cell sounds yeah. and stuff like that which is filtering into the shops which is filling the demand because I mean you you talked to me off air tonight about a rec- records like Baby Reconsider um, Leon Haywood on Fat Fish um, eventually uh, Keith got a copy but I mean how many copies have you seen in, in, in the last 30 years you, you, you just never saw the record back then no chance so when they were you know were bootlegged they used to fly out of the, uh, to the shops because kids couldn't get these records well it's funny enough I think I had every record what was in demand plus others yep. but by we reconsider which we heard about in 1970 from the lads who were coming up from the uh, um, who used to go to the uh the chateau. Yes, 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 yes. Which yes. it was it was a four till seven club. I went there once. Yeah, the Bridge North lads, and that's where it come from. And we could, no one could get it. Chateau Imney, that was the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Carl was playing it. Yes, and then a guy called Richard Selwood got a copy in Gloucester. Who yes, who I used to know. We did some dealings. He'd got a copy, <clears throat> and he'd, he'd lent it up to the wheel. Yeah, I just left then. Uh, but I did get a copy just after that. In fact, I've had about three copies, but, you know, in that period of time. So so you, your DJing at Trusted Wheel itself it happened at uh, Whitworth Street and was from, what, 69, 70? Yeah, 69, early 69 till September 1970. So if I, if I, if I chuck some names at you, you know... Uh, we're just on these records we're just yeah, playing now. Yeah, go on, They were, people, as I say, people think they were club soul, but like the consoles. Contours yep. was hard to get. It was yes, it was. Record. It, yes, it, it was. got re-released again in 69. It did. With my other favourite record, First I Look at the Purse on the Fantastic record, side. Yeah. yeah. I think it even got in the lower reaches of the charts. Yes. Because the demand had built up then. That's right. You know, with places like The Wheel. But the, you couldn't go near them in other clubs. No. But, you know, they, they, they did play Motown and Soul, but they didn't play the, you know, they didn't have the rare. They didn't have the, no, no. I, I, you know, I, I, all these you, sort of records, what might... Even the Spellbind is re-released. Yes. With Chains of... Uh, um, can't just remember the other side. Chain Reaction, was it? Chain Reaction, yeah. On the other yeah. side. On, yeah. On, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was a later release. When Directions yeah. come out. Yeah. 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 No, no one was... Uh, they weren't, you know, they, 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 weren't, they weren't available. You know what I mean? No. On, on yeah. the, you know, the, so, the, so, the... So at this point, you know, at this point when, you, when you're at the wheel, sort of 68, 69, 70, whatever... Um, what other clubs in Manchester are playing this this level of underground soul? No one? No one. Because, um, not in 67, 68. No. Uh, there was a place, well, no one was playing it really. In fact, no one. And no. What, what I don't you... think anyone was playing it anywhere. Probably the Mojo, but that's shut in 67. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the clubs had gone over to the psychedelic side. Yes. 
Well, a, I, I, I would, I would, I would kind of defend the torch. I do, I do think the torch with with, with Dave Plum and uh, Pete Stringfellow's brother. He, yeah. he used to DJ there because he did the mojo. So, so some of that would feed off him. Yeah. And and the Blue Orchid, but but in Manchester itself, no. No, the Blue Orchid was on Friday, and that would come a bit later, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was, was a bit later. That. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't going in '67. No, I think no. that was '69. That yeah, 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 yeah. You've got a better memory than me, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a Friday night. But um, th th there was no one who, where I, you know, there was a place called The Majestic who started doing all-nighters, but there was only playing what I would call the stuff what you could hear. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, D the DJs didn't have a lot of this rare and deleted no, stuff. No, no. Uh, and 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 as as has always been the case, it's a combination of the record, record availability, which wasn't great, and also knowledge. I mean, I mean, you by by, by running around and 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 feeding off of the people around you, your brother included, um, you you were probably five years ahead of the game at this point. No, I had the sounds. I had sound sewn sewn up, yeah. and there was people selling collections. Sometimes I'd finish up with, you know, I could buy twenty or thirty records in a day. Yeah. Even though I didn't have the money, I used to have to borrow it off the holiday yes. fund and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's money, all sorts. So I got in a lot of debt. It was a bit of a dodgy period. <laughs> um, but the, um, you know, back, back at the Trusted Wheel, of course, owned by Ivor Abord and his yeah. two brothers. Did you meet Ivor at all? Yeah, yeah, I worked yeah. for him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah, I, Ivor, of course, owned the Ghosty Hall. I've worked with him quite a few times, but brought me home a couple of times in his Rolls Royce. I mean, uh, yeah, but he also owned clubs that I did later in Manchester, like Rufus. I mean, he, he owned a couple of clubs. He had a place, home. I didn't know he had that, but he had a place in Stoke, his brothers, didn't they? Was it, it called The Place? He, no, he, he 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 was involved in the early days, but eventually wasn't. Um, some local guys bought his bought his share out, uh, but he owned a, a, a pub, uh, the Black Horse in Betley, which is just outside Stoke, yeah, which is well, not far from here actually. Um, tell me about Brian Ray. What was his uh, involvement in? in well, the when I started way? going to the all nighters, he was DJing there. Okay, Roger had left. It was the man who really built the wheel up and the, the yes, reputation yes. of it. I think Brian Ray was DJing there with another lad called maybe Brian, I forget, was it Turner? Uh, I did ask the names, but no, no, people weren't particularly interested then. They were just, you know, yeah, yeah. big net, big No, star, no, I mean, it's, it, DJing uh, itself had to develop. I mean, uh, uh, most clubs, uh, you know, Torch included, were, were about live acts in those days, and, you know, the yeah. DJ was, 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 was the, side, the side attraction. Barry Tasker, you said he's one of your best friends, so... Uh, uh, well, Barry was going, he was a big, he was a real wheel lad going, I think he went to the old wheel and he was going to the new wheel. He was a bit older than me, Barry, about two years older than me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, Barry... Barry was a collector. Um, was he DJing at that time? No. No, he just collecting. He started DJing just after the wheel at a normal type clubs where they'd play a bit of soul. Yeah. And eventually he, 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 he someone started a pendulum. The pendulum, yeah. Yeah. And um, that's when he, he started working at, uh, I sold him a lot of stuff as well, but he started, he, he started working at Global. Yes, yes. Which That's right. Sent over to uh, that was Ed Balbier's place, Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Started yeah. picking up stuff there. Yeah. Um, and uh, another guy, uh, Rob Bellas. Rob. Well, Rob collected. He started collecting, and Phil Sachs collected. But Phil, they used to go to school. They were still at school at Stretford Grammar. Um, not like our school where they threw us out when we were fifteen, you know. <laughs> and. They collect, then they pool pull the records together. Yeah. Because Rob didn't have any money, probably. Okay. And Phil, 
had connections on the chemical side, what he could get hungs on. Okay. And start selling that. <laughs> Rob was, Phil was more of a pill lad. Well, they were both for a bit. But, um, and this, and I, as again, they were big customers of mine. I used to go and meet them on a Friday. And we, well, they used to go to the wheel all the time. But I used to meet them on a Friday, sell them stuff. And uh, it, Rob become quite knowledgeable. He was more into it than Phil, in a way. Yeah. But Phil... Uh, Phil was just in, you know, like the, the scene, but not... He, he, was, he was a big collector, but... Uh, uh, Rob carried on more about it, really, yeah. and then... Um, I mean, the, the, the thing... The they, were, they were top mates of mine. I yeah, yeah, the thing, you know. uh, he said he was impressed by Rob. Les Kikel? Well, Les used to always be down there with his leather jacket on the... He'd always be at the cage when I was DJing. Yeah, yeah. He'd be making notes of records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't particularly have a good collection, Les. No. But he had some nice tunes. He was a great lad. No, and, and, yeah, the time he, yeah, when he was yeah. DJing at the Mecca, I mean, he relied heavily on the Veen to, to provide the records. When he took over DJing, him and Phil took over my spot. I used to do five, six hours. Plus, I had to do the cloakroom before all that and all that business on the built bar. But I'd, I'd do the last five and a half hours. Um, Paul Davis used to do because the, the early sessions had started to finish so Paul who did the early sessions went over to the all-nighter but he used to finish at two OK he'd, he'd finish at put the group on at one o'clock if there was a group on not in the summer summer months there was no groups so he'd finish at two and bugger off home so, I mean, groups, you know, we're talking about Oscar Tony Jr., Helen Wolf, oh, you, you've mentioned binders. Spencer Davis, um, Sugar Pie De Santos, Spellbinders, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Chris Farlow. Yeah. yeah well, he, 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 I didn't remember seeing him, he was a bit later on, early okay. on, early on. So, what, what he, he did come back what, and do that. Um, what year did the wheel eventually close? Uh, the Whitmer Street, January seventy-one. Seventy-one, yeah, and and that yeah. you know that prompted us to uh, to get on to Chris Burton to start the, to, to, it, know, to try and turn the torch into a normal. It closed because it was quiet. It, it, the, the, the Manchester Police put a thing in, um, that you couldn't open anywhere two hours after midnight, so they couldn't right. survive on a two o'clock. You know, it, it was an all nighter. Yes, yes, coming from all over the country. And it got, that's right. That's right. It got they that reputation. Survive on that. There was another all night. Um, what kicked off about 69, um, probably with the records, what got stole from the wheel, but, because um, <laughs> the wheel got, the record collection got robbed in 68. Okay. I'm not sure what was in it, because I think it had been filtered through before yes, by the yes. DJs. But, um, uh, an all-nighter started, uh, the top 20 in Hollywood. And that was pinching a lot of the wheel trade. Um, and they also did an all-dayer. Right. So you'd go from the wheel up there in the old day. And just carry on. Or some people who lived well out of town, they'd go to maybe the place in Bolton, the, what was it called? The, not the graveyard, something like that. It was called <laughs> Cromwellian, but it was called, or oh, the boneyard. <laughs> the boneyard. <laughs> we'll play some more music. It's ten to nine on it's Friday ten. night. Ten. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah.
256 or for uh, people who live in this country, it's just gone 5 to 8, 5 to, yes, 5 to 9 actually. Um, Alvin Cash and Twine Time kicked us off there and then James Carr losing game and uh, Brian I saying off, off there, James Carr, one of the very, very best, there's no doubt about that. Bobby Bland, of course, another one of the very, very best of these hands. I mean, you said to me uh, off air earlier on that you, 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 you thought you pretty much owned every record that Bobby Bland had made at this time. Well, I had at the time, yeah. Roger Eagle was a big fan of his. Yes. In fact, I think Roger Eagle did footnotes for Bobby Bland's albums. Yes, the the, uh, the piece of the action one. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On and the, he the first connections one. connections there. <coughs> yeah. He used to get imports direct from there. You know, in 65, 64, I believe. And the wheel had a lot of stuff from Shaw's shot. Uh, yep. Peacock and what's the other one? Duke. Duke and no, the other one. What's the red one? Um, OB Wright was on it, and a few of us. Uh, Backbeat. Backbeat, yeah, yeah. Loads yeah. of stuff there. Yeah. But it'd been old. Oh, well, so, of course, Backbeat was competition. At nothing it was Little Cock Holm, wasn't it? And, yeah, and, but yeah. They, they were, he had connections there and arranged for uh, stuff to go direct to the wheel. Yeah. Well, obviously he'd left. And, and one, of, one of my old world favourites was, was was Mr. Soulbud Harper. I mean, that was Peacock, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I think Roger was getting stuff off Motown before it was released in America. Yeah, yeah. You know, he'd be, he'd be playing it. So that's how advanced he was. So, yeah, ma massively influential at, the, at that time. And, and, and Stacks, he loved Stacks. Well, I started to DJ in 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 '68, and and the the, the base of, of the music that we were playing was was Atlantic and Stax. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And a little bit of Motown. Um, we we didn't play a lot of the commercial Motown, as, as you said. We were looking for some, you know something a little bit deeper. Um, and so you know, just a little misunderstanding. Records like that, Keith and I, you know, we, we, we're obviously all over like a rash. But um, Motown was, was was a third choice. Um, I mean, we would play. Uh, that stack sound. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, the Johnny Taylor's changes, the Johnny Taylor's Friday nights, all that changes, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. brilliant well, records. Stacks actually didn't, didn't start until '67, did it in the UK? No. no. Um, but when Roger left, he went to a club called uh, Blue Note. I was forgetting before. Then they played a lot of soul. Yeah, they played more of eclectic. Where was the Blue Note? The Blue Note was just up the road, um, just up London Road. Okay. Uh, next up. So we're still in Manchester, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. off London Road there. Mm -hmm. uh, it got knocked down, but that that was a good soul club. They did a few all nighters, but it was that played more of a eclectic mix. Yeah. You could sit down. It wasn't all about the dancing all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, where the wheel had to be fueled. And, and you, you, you said earlier on, you talked about, you know, you know the, the, like the wheel and, and some other places around were, were cafes as well. I mean, was, was was music piped into the cafe as, as, as a backdrop or was it just down in the club? Sorry, what cafes? No, the, 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 like, like a daytime cafe. Oh, no. When I worked in town, there was a couple of places. Round, I worked above Round Two Sound, actually, in the Corn Exchange. And there was another one, the Takis. They did afternoon dinners, uh, afternoon uh, DJs. Okay. You could go out at lunchtime and go in and, and dance. Wow. Yeah, Manchester, <laughs> that's what it was like. In, you know, before my time, you know. Yes, in, yes, in, yes, yes, yes. You could do yes. it when I was there. Yes. Yeah, you could go in a club and there were DJs on. So you 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 played the all-nighters at, uh, at that time, 69, 70, 68, whatever. Um, how many DJs would get you through the night, or are you playing all night? It was just me and Paul Davis. Okay. Paul had, and Paul had liked to he'd finish that tour. He'd, he'd, he'd DJ until one, the group would come on. Or in the summer, we didn't have groups. He'd finish at two. Or maybe half past two sometimes. If, if the, I'd get back on at half past two after the group. Or sometimes, 
It depends, because the place is that packed. They couldn't all go and watch the group. You'd be play, you have to play records as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have the records yeah. still going. Yeah. I missed a lot of good artists because of that. Because, because you were still having to play. <laughs> play, to play yeah, records the sounds going. Stuck behind the cafe bar upstairs or something, you know, because people still wanted drinks. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the wheel is... from the 11 o'clock till half seven in the morning. The, the twisted wheel at this point is rammed. Tell me about Pete Roberts. Well, he, he runs a new wheel, doesn't he? I don't he does. Give away the old wheel or anything. Okay. Not to my knowledge, but who knows? I think he said he went once, so I don't really know. Okay. Um, but he's done a great job promoting the new wheel. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely you know, no doubt. Fantastic yeah. there. I mean, the, the, the fact that you can pull that off, you know, with with such regularity, actually, is 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 a you know an absolute credit to to, to what the wheel stood for. I mean, you you've talked off air and on air tonight about about your passion for this music, and you 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 like that you know, the rawness. You like you you <laughs> playing great soul music. The great soul music that eventually um, you've got got named Northern Soul or whatever it was but I mean you know I mean records like Bob Cube and Travis Wamack Travis Wamack was a, a real left field record well that's <laughs> Roger Rogers I think he played that yeah uh, he liked all the left field you know he, he had like eclectic mix yes that's I mean he left because there was more pressure on him to play the same dance beat and yeah and yeah. that's obviously why he went and then when uh, they took over then there was a lot of new stuff coming out um the Stacks was getting launched in Eng England. Yep. And all that Atlantic stuff. There was a lot of great stuff coming out as new releases. Yeah, there was. I mean, I mean if you go back to... I mean, the Stacks Vault Tour came in in 67. I mean, that was that was Otis Redding. That was um, Sam and Dave. Um, you know, that, that was fantastic. I mean, I both them albums. Uh, you know, that was Finsbury Park back then. But they went around the country as well. In fact, that was that, that brilliant film as well. That, uh, no, that called Bobby D, I think, took over the main thing uh, after Roger. Uh, he was from Farnworth, and I think Brian Brian Ray was from up there. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, and another lad, and they started started running all night at the music side of it. Well, uh, late, later on, um, Brian Ray was the first DJ I DJed with outside of Stoke on Trent from the Torch. I, I, I did a gig with him at the Co-op Hall in Warrington. <laughs> that was the first time I'd met Brian yeah. face to face. But I mean, I knew I knew some some of his history as as I knew yours. So, so let's talk about the the record list, how, how that started, and 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 how that developed, and and like you say, name some of the DJs who used to come on by off you. Well, the record list started. Uh, I mean, they started just as an age four page sixty eight was just doubles really. It was doubles what I'd got. Yeah. Because yeah. I was buying that many records. Yeah. And I didn't like to leave them for somebody else really. <laughs> They're all sort of two bob or two and six. Yeah, yeah. And if if you went to London, you know, might have to sort of not pay for some. To be fair, you have to do a runner, but uh, I don't like to really say it. I wouldn't do it on my local shops, but uh, needs must sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, so. I was... And I needed to fund me my own, you know, because one or two I had to pay ten bob a month yeah, for, yeah, you know. Yeah. I couldn't find them for two bob. Yeah, yeah. So and I was owing a lot of money, so I was, I was selling doubles off and all yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, for my lifestyle, really. And um, so, what, what, what would you do? Type this out and then? And yeah. Then well, I worked at an office. I got one of the girls to type it out and yeah. run it off in a gazette. Gazette, there. Yeah, that was the machine. <laughs> uh, I think my second list was sixty-nine. And then I did the big auction list. Um, early 70s, we had about a big, big list. That was a lot of pages. And I thought if anyone... I, I put a lot of my own collection on. 
Uh-huh. And I thought, if I get off a silly money, I'll, you'll I'll, take the I'll silly take money off us. Yeah, an auction. Yeah. So I sold some what I got off a silly money because I thought I could replace them. Yeah. Basically, because I was always good at finding stuff. So, so, so Sam, myself, Ian Levine. Um, who, well, Ian, who Ian was uh, one of the first ones you said. Ian called up, I think, 69. Um, uh, buying stuff, bits and pieces, some Rick stuff and so on. He, he was very, he's very into the Motown, and in, in, between 14 and 16. Uh, and then people started, the list started getting bigger and bigger. And I was, you had all the DJs really, uh, Neil Rushton, yourself, yep. Martin, uh, Soul Sam, um, Pep, yep. John Manship started, uh, lad called Dave Langley, who was yep. at yeah, I know the, name, I don't the Carlton know. Club, he was a big customer. Yeah, yeah. Lots of lads, just, you know, my memories just slipped, Johnny Mutt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had about 200 customers. Wow. So, and I only advertised it a couple of times, I advertised it in the Record Mirror originally. Yeah. And I think that was before John Anderson and that. Yes, I think, yeah, I, I think it was one of the first specialists. There was FL Moors going, but 100%. they were selling a bit of everything. Yeah, they were. I, I, you could find some, you know, occasionally very rare stuff on there because they they, they weren't categorising it in the same way. They they, they weren't specialising, as you say, so a few would slip through the net. But a lot of early Motown, the Mary Well stuff and, and, and you know... The, the kind of stuff on on the blue Motown label Gordy VIP you, you you'd find there. They started uh, getting a lot of the imports then later on. Uh, a bit like 1970 when they started a lot of imports. So yeah, they were getting yeah. the Catacombs boys were getting them from there. Yeah, I got some from there, and it was another place. And I started importing very early 70. Got some from Randy's Records up in Tennessee. It was Ray Avery's in um, California. Yeah. Another place called, was it Freeman's in Philadelphia? So, I was getting bits and pieces from there. You know, you're buying blind sometimes. So, so, so when you're buying there, how long back back then? I mean, I've talked about it earlier with Mail Order. How long would you wait for the records to come from the States? Oh, from the States, yeah. Could take a month. In yeah. fact, when I used to first import records, and that is late 69 it was, you had to go to the bank and fill all these forms in. That's right. For balance <laughs> of payments. Yeah. It was a right pain in the arse. <laughs> On that note, we'll play some more music from Brian Phillips. Is. Where the action is 
We've been playing threes and, and on that one we're talking, so we actually played four and that was my fault, but uh, not to worry. Um, we kicked off the four um, with uh, Robert Parker, um, Let's Go Baby, where the action is, which of course on the British release was the B-side. I, I didn't look on that. Was it, is the British release the B-side barefooting on that one? No, the, the A-side was the uh, barefooting. Yeah, the A-side. We used to play that. Yeah. I mean, I, I played another, obviously I Have Faith For You was the B-side. Yeah. Great tune. So B-sides were, well, you know, a lot of B-sides played, weren't they? No, oh, without a doubt. I'm, 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 of course, the B-side, that was uh, Stopping On Sight, was, was, was the B-side, was uh, I Have Faith In You. Um, we then went to Tom O'Neill going through a happening, which, um, again, was a record that we were able to order on Bacalian as a UK. Even when it was deleted, it still came through, obviously soaking up the stock well, from the well, distributors. Well, 68. 68, so, that's right. You know, that, that was a sort of a new... Re- that's what I say, it wasn't... Some of it wasn't... Originally, I suppose, it wasn't a... A retro scene. It was a current scene. Yes, that's right. But it finished up current and retro. It did. It did. The, mo- the, the more it went on, I, yeah, I agree with that. And then and it finished up more or less all retro because by the time 1969, 70, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there's the odd track coming through. Yep. At Precisions, you know. Yep. If this is love and one of, and there was re- new releases coming through. Yep. But were really older tracks like the action stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was coming to in '68, wasn't it? That's right. I mean, I action put about thirty odd on the on, on the uh, red and yellow that were all really, as you say, old tracks. And I suppose the only new stuff coming through, what I remember, you know, we got the Invictus. Yep. And um, Hot Wax. Yep. In fact, I had give me just a little more time. I played that uh, on import, and then I stopped it as soon as it got released over here. Yeah. I had it on import about three months before. Yeah, that was, that, months that was before. the nature of the underground scene. Yeah. That's the way it was. And I think the same with some of the hot wax stuff, was it? Yeah. Whilst you're out looking for sugar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was... Somebody's been sleeping. Stuff. I mean, all, all those records. I mean, yeah. The, there was bits of new stuff, but the eight, 90% of it was old then, wasn't it? Yeah. It was retro. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, for me, it was Blackpool Mecca, sort of late 73, early 74, when the sound changed again, more towards the dance beat than towards the James Brown and all the ballads that had been coming out in that period that we're talking about in, in terms of new music. I started reintroducing new records, uh, you know, to the northern scene, which wasn't everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> you know, oh. years have proved later that those records were fantastic. Uh, um, and then we went on with, well, we'd done Edwin Starr, we'd done Go Into a Happening, and then we finished off. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Olympics. Well, the Olympics, that was... I mean, there was obviously Baby Did a Philly Dog, which come out on Fontana as well as this. But We Go Together was a great all-nighter tune. Yeah. I think it was actually the B-side of Secret Agents, which That's also right, yeah. got played. Yeah, yeah. And that was a Merwood sort of sound. Yes. You know, and it... it yeah, which, which which went on to produce uh, Richard Temple, so many other, you know, yeah. Bob and Earl, everything. But, yeah. Some fantastic uh, You know, the duck, <laughs> walking the duck. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that whole sound kind of took over. I mean, Richard Temple, it, it still sends, uh, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck when you hear the beginning of, uh, of that beaten rhythm. I mean, just incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brilliant records. Uh, of Very much of that time, so... And again, it was the all night... That, I, I played some stuff medium pace because it was mixed up. It wasn't all 100 mile an hour stuff, but yeah. there was plenty of 100 mile an hour stuff, which obviously suited the... the yeah, the, 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 the amphetamine club. <laughs> but, you know, there was there was a lot of medium pace, what yeah. we call medium yeah. pace as well played. It was yeah. all intermingled, really. You know, yeah. bits of, yeah. you know, runs of each other. 
Well, I, I mentioned to you off there again. I mean, like Johnny Copeland suffering city for me, which you say was, you know is a wheel tune, and that's yeah. probably where you, uh, I, it would be fed back. Uh, get the information. Just fantastic music, and, and I think uh, you know, some of that was was lost in the in the twelve months that the torch had the all night. Is thirteen months where it was much more adrenaline filled, shall we say, and and the tempo did go up. Um, but I, I, th I think I think after that the tempo the tempo did balance out, particularly at the Mecca. Uh, much more difficult to to drop the tempo. In, in, in the Wigan Casino environment because mm. it's, a, it's a massive hall uh, you know everybody's wanting that bang and they've all you know all wired up <laughs> so it was much more difficult but at the Highland Room we were able to, to, to rein back on the tempo again as you say a lot of these early records I mean, I mean no, nobody thought about tempo uh, back then you just played records that you believed in well the torch had, had a, a, a sort of a I think originally it was half a wheel set wasn't it Certainly before the all night is 100% half wheel, yeah. It moved on to the, yep. you know, there was more and more imports finding. Yes. I mean, when I, when I finished DJ in 70, when, 70, I would think 40% of my playlist, maybe 50% was imports. Yeah. What yeah. we were finding. I was importing. Compared to sure. when you started, where well, imports would be few and far between, yeah, were you? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was finding stuff. There was lads at the catacomb, they were well in front, Bob Crocker. Yeah. Yep. He used to do some dealings with him. To, yep. He was getting stuff out of uh, F.L. Moores. He was getting quite yep. a bit of stuff out of Did you know Alan S and yeah. Max Millwood? Well, I didn't know Alan S until after, but he was collecting. He was with Bob Crocker. They were yep. the two main lads. Yep. Uh, there was Carl Dean at uh, the uh, Four Well Seven Club at um, uh, the Chateau. In Chateau Empty, yeah. That was yeah. a Sunday afternoon job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was various people and we were doing swaps and what have you I was finding some stuff but the, the, the catacombs was pretty advanced then or the, the um, I, I think it was I'm from, 100%. From, I would say from late 69 yeah and, and it stayed there because I mean you know, the DJs that came after that you know Graham War, Pep you know people like that I mean they kept that tradition up I think the catacombs is very much yeah. on the case I mean, in Bob terms Crocker, of probably like myself a nutcase yes you know we were both really nut, you know just possessed Nutcase. The best nutcase. <laughs> you know, that's all I ever thought about, did. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, you've touched on that, but, I mean, that, that was the reason that people came to these clubs. I mean, you know, I mean, Keith and myself, we would go... Uh, to Stafford just to hear skiing in the snow, you know, because we, they've got it, and, and, and it was kind of like that. So, you know, to water that down would have, would have stopped those people travelling, certainly. Let's, let's, I don't know exactly the date that he came, but Dave Godding coming to the wheel? Well, after I'd left, I think he was supposed to be coming when I was there in June, and he put it off July or something, so I said he was coming. Um, I mean, I wasn't too bothered about all that personally, but he turned up in December. Okay. I think, just before it shut, or was it November? Sometime then. And I, I, don't, I don't know if it's that visit or, or, or a supplementary visit, but he, he, he claims to have brought the ad-libs, nothing worse than being alone along to yeah. to the wheel. But I wasn't there. No. I didn't go. But but I do um, I do think I do think that his article in Blues and Soul definitely lifted up yeah. the, the you know the the perspective of the wheel. You know, put it into in, 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 out there into a much bigger audience and, and certainly sang yeah. its praises. Well it was more he only he actually went to probably about a month before it shut. And the reel was packed before then. It yes, was already yes, packed. Yes. But obviously there's people starting to get into it. There's a lot of newer crowd come the last sort of twelve six months. Yeah. I I probably left three months before it shut, so there was a newer people coming through all the time. Yeah. The old ones had gone by or less less so moved on. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, the newer crowd, and, and obviously it was building, wasn't it? And then yeah, yeah. Obviously they uh, they were looking for somewhere to go, then they went up the junction, didn't they? That's right. Went uh, up the junction, and crew, and then, yep. then the torch. And then the torch, yeah. yeah. So it was a, it was a. And then, you know, yeah, the torch, the torch, the torch finished, and it was a little bit of top ranking yeah. Hanley, and then it was then it was Blackpool Mecca yeah. again, and it was gaining uh, momentum, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, oh, massively. And, and I think, you know, you, whether it's morally correct, correct or not, but, uh, you know, more more people bringing in imports, so import records available, but also, you know, the bootleggers were, were out there, so people could actually access the stuff, and that was that was building a bigger audience, yeah, whether, you know, whether that was morally correct or not doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it did, it, the whole thing exploded uh, with music like this.
of course, choice to Mr. Brian Phillips, who's uh, my special guest tonight on the Soul Series. You're with Colin Curtis on Hitmix Radio 107.5 FM, or you can download the app off the site. Uh, but Brian tells me that you can't download the shows off the site. But you can download every single Soul show I've done, every single Jazz Fusion show, every single house show on my Podomatic site. That's colincurtis.podomatic.com. Uh, I'll put that link uh, all over social media over the next 24 hours. And uh, uh, anybody who wants to link to any of the cell shows or all of the cell shows directly just those links then just let me know on Facebook and I'll, I'll get them over to you um, but yeah yeah, let's get it out there I mean at the moment I think I've done you know we've been doing this all year Started we started last December with a tribute to, to Keith Minshall um, but Tim Tim and I have done shows I mean I've had all the guests on uh, right up to today I think about seven now and uh, they've all hit you know over 3,000 downloads on you know people listening again so mm. it is out there so we need all your pals who can't find it we need to get well, it to them people as well who won't be able to find it tonight <laughs> <laughs> won't hear you where you can find it but but we will we will try and address that and obviously the england fans even though it's the <laughs> <red rubber. laughs> We're playing the malteses yeah <laughs> um okay we're we talking about some of these records yeah. uh, let's start with quitting never wins well, that was just a fantastic... Well, it was probably one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. I mean, we did play too late later on off an album. Didn't know it'd come out on a single at the time. Phil Sachs went to, he went to a posh school, drama school. <laughs> he went on holiday to Switzerland. Yeah. Finished up picking an Italian copy of the album. Wow. Two for the price of one album. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. I can see the cover in my head. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a great album, that. It was, was a great album. It. Uh, there was one that John Wesley did. Um, was it... Uh, I can't remember the track. That was a good track. There was another one, which is the vocal version of uh, South by Southwest. Yes, that's right. Taking no that's chances. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously, Irma Thomas. I don't know if that had been played before, but I, I just bought that blind. And I thought it was a great track. What are you trying it, to do? It, it, well, if it was played anywhere, it was played in London. It wasn't played up here. I, I mean, I, I think I think absolutely. So, I mean, if you if you were playing that, I think you were probably the first on it. But Irma and, Thomas uh, came over to London, uh, yeah. you know, back in those sort of Dave Godinish kind of fan club days, where, you know, where you got a fan club for Doris Troy, a fan club for Aretha, fan club for Otis Redding. And Irma Thomas had a fan club. I forget who was yeah. in charge of that. And uh, Otis Redding, uh, uh, you know, I think Paul Clifford, his son, um, who run that club? So I'd, I'd pick anything up if it was a soul artist, yeah. really. If, if I hadn't heard it, I bought. And, 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 and fact, I would say half the stuff I bought was blind, even though, well, say blind. There's a lot of stuff I bought blind, but a lot. Some of the after Roger Leadle left, I don't think the DJs had certain rare records. There's a few, of course. Yeah. So, but I'd remember what someone said. Oh, this is a great, you know, like whatever it was. Yeah. So even though I hadn't heard it, I, I knew it was a good tune. But then there was other stuff I hadn't never heard. I haven't just bought blind. Just bought. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. the Amy Thomas record. I mean, stands up even now. It was fantastic. That was played all the D time. Dave Godin was a big fan of Amy Thomas, yeah. and he pushed that album she did as well. Blue um, Party. What was played? That was probably one of the biggest tunes until it got re-released. Yes, that got re-released in '69. Yes, funny enough, isn't it? So why were they re-releasing all this stuff in '69 and '70? There's a lot of stuff. Be because the demand had gone through the bloody roof, that's yeah. why. You know, I mean, I, I mean, the, you know, the underground scene that you were very much a part of. Um, 
had almost gone uh, overground to a certain extent. And also, a lot of the British record companies were more aware. I mean, some of the early uh, contenders, you know, you mentioned Sue Records tonight, but then we've got your J-Boys, we've got your Presidents, we've got all these labels that, uh, you know, were, were pushing what was essentially American stuff. You've said yourself about the action label. I mean, yeah, they were all new records, inverted commas, to the UK, but they weren't new records in the States. Some of them have been out one, two, three years. Um, so we, we, we've, we've done Emma Thomas, we've done Quitter Never Wins, we've done the Catacombs. We've done them all. We've done them all. So I'll, I'll shout a few, a, a few records at you that um, I know... You were probably played during your period, and that was Johnny Taylor changes. Um, girl across the street, Moses Smith. Everybody yeah. this end thinks that Soul Sam was the first person no, to play well, that record. I was the first one to play yeah. it. But well, it's a, I could tell you a story about that. Uh, I went I, in May sixty. Sorry, May seventy. I did a gig up in uh, Grimsby. Yeah, a lad called Tony Brown. He used to come at the wheel. Great lad. Great collector. He asked me to do a, a gig up there, mm -hmm. and uh, so he put all bills out all over the town, go go girls, all yeah. sorts, <laughs> all night R and B all night dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. yeah. And another the other DJ, I was on all, most of the night, and there's a lad called Fred Benson was on, who's got big now. He's been buying a lot of big ticket money stuff um, from Scunthorpe. So we, anyway, we did the gig. I'm staying at his... I had to get a train up there. I didn't have a car then. Yeah, yeah. Bus and two trains. You had to train, uh, change that Rotherham or somewhere like that. I think it was. <laughs> it was a bit of an odd place. Dangerous in itself. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, got up there on the train. It offered me quite good money, but it was a good mate anyway. And um, it wasn't that particularly well attended. It was a bit too early for him. In fact, I think he offered me 50 quid or something ridiculous, 40 quid. It was when you're on four or five quid a night for the wheel. Yeah. Working 12 hours. You know, not 12 hours, but it was eight hours. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. But anyway, I had to get the two to Anyway, I'm on his couch later on, and I see a couple of uh, imports there on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, we had quite a lot of imports, but I thought, One was Moses Smith. Okay. Which I never heard of. Yeah, yeah. And one was Emmanuel Lasky. Yeah, well, I was coming to that. That's a peace loving man. man, yeah, yeah. And um, I put them on. He was still in bed. Oh, these are all right, like these. But, you know, <laughs> I could tell a record after 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was one thing yep. I could always... I don't yeah, need yeah. to hear it ten times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I heard them. So, anyway, <laughs> he didn't seem that bothered. He went, I said, I'd like to do a deal on them. Um, but he hadn't, I, let, I let him off for the money, more or less. I, I, instead of... I think yeah. I got about a third of the fee. yeah, so yeah. I, Part of that, really, it become. Um, and I think I got him an English record. But he said, well, let me hang on and I'll bring him out of the wheel with me. Yeah. But he never come down until more or less, I think it was the last night. Okay. That's the only time they ever got played out the wheel. Okay. That was September. Yeah, yeah. And if I think, uh, I think you got me Moses Smith off me. Yes. I think you and Ian Levine were doing a, yes. a, a bidding war on it. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the Mecca. Yeah, well, I, I, I was in... Um, I was in the Raven in Whitchurch with with, with uh, Tony Petherbridge standing at the bar when when I heard Soul Sam play it and I just I, I knocked a drink over and shot across uh, you know to, to, to find to out what it was. Mecca. Sorry, I used to bring it up to the Mecca. Yes, 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 yes. And I think I brought it to the torch. Yes. Well, I mean, I mean you, you know, I mean, following hearing it for the first time yeah. in in the Raven, I no, I couldn't find it. I found it through you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I used to bring it up. Lend yeah. It. I think I used to lend it. Keith, and then 
brought it to the Mecca. And I'm sure you and Ian was driving me mad for it. Yes, uh, absolutely. Would have been, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I probably beat him on that one because at one point he had a limit. I've no idea why, because his father was a millionaire. I don't know why he had a limit. Um, mighty, mighty good way, Robert Banks. Yeah, that. I found that in a shop in Tib Street. I only bought it because of the name. I got it with Jerry Cooker on the other side. Yeah, yeah. So, Cook, Banks. <laughs> Proper soul names. <laughs> they were imports. <laughs> I think they were half a crown each. And uh, the guy there used to have a monkey. Call him Jim the Monkey Man. He used to have a monkey in a cage in Tip Street Records. They don't have this kind of excitement in Manchester anymore, do they? Well, well Tip Street was all pet shops. Yes. Where you got one or two pawny type shops selling pawn books. Yes. It was a weird setup. You know Tip Street. Yes, I do know Tip Street. Yeah, yeah. And one record shop. Yeah. And it, it sold a few new releases, but basically had a lot of second hand stuff. And it keep bringing stuff in, LPs. I got a lot of stuff off him. Uh, sometimes he charged five bob. He was a bit dear, but <laughs> uh, and and he thought he knew a bit about the scene, and he, yeah, yeah. he'd ask for ten bob for some of the stuff, <laughs> you know. And I believe he had a big warehouse, but we didn't know that quite after. And he had loads of imports, and we found out afterwards. Right. Um, boxes of some stuff. Right. But they were just two oddballs I got off him. Yeah. I think I got um, a couple more imports later on. In fact, I've got them in my box there, just. But, so I bought them too blind, obviously. Mighty good way didn't particularly go down that brilliant. Someone said, oh, he's a gospel singer. I said, well, I'm not bothered what he is. I think, I think, I think that's another record. I Johnny mean, Cook took off. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about Johnny Copeland, but I mean, that, that was one of the talks that, that got played, but never really, never really picked up uh, to be, uh, you know, a huge record. Bob Wilson feels good. Yeah, Bob Wilson. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure where that come off, actually. That come from Randy's. Um, but Jerry Cook again a lot of people say I never played at the wheel a lot of them records left with me yes didn't get played the last few months yeah yep. there was other stuff what got played what was coming through at the time like Sandy Sheldon we didn't play yeah Sandy Sheldon after. yeah yep. uh, Jackie Lee Darkest Days yeah they were a bit after but um a lot of stuff left with me if you know they, they, they were kind of in that period after you left to, to yeah. when it closed yeah yeah, yeah. alright more music from uh, Brian's selections tonight as we continue.
top of that we've got um, I suppose a bit like Boogaloo Party you're ready now until it became more popular was was a, was a big underground sound and not easy to find back in the day no no I mean this uh, what was just played Jackie Day yep. uh, yeah I bought that blind because there was a this is Tony's record so he had tons and tons of Sue in fact <laughs> I got a load of Hurt by Love off him and sold it to Spinning Records all oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he put him in the shop window. Yeah. Uh, quid, I think. I got him off him. I think I got him down to two bob a piece for him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, I had to even borrow the money off spinning records. To, to buy him. To go and buy him. <laughs> and he said, well, I can't. He, called me, he used to call me Deleted Fred, because I know all about the deleted stuff. <laughs> and I, I actually... Oh, we're talking Gary Lane now. Yeah, Gary, Gary Lane. Gary, yeah. Great yeah. lad. Yeah, he was. And I used to lend him records to get in his nightclub top of the town. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, he did, yeah. So I got him free there. I used to lend him some of the stuff. So just just for perspective, I mean, uh, top of the town, which is right next to Spinning, I mean, what... Yeah. what uh, you know, later on, I, I did that club when it was Quentin's, when it was Hell, yeah. when it was Smarties on a yeah. Sunday night. It was a great club. It was a great club, yeah. Per- and perfect positioning. Night. What what was Gary Lane be playing at that time? Well, it was playing all the Motowny type stuff, stacks of Atlantic stuff, but also um, the best pop type stuff, what was danceable. Yeah, yeah. It didn't have much, too much deleted stuff. I used to take stuff in like I'd lend him. It, it got here, he must have got asked in his record shop for certain records. Yeah, yeah. And he used to ask me. Yeah. And I'll say, and I used to bring him in. Right. To lend him in. I sold him one or two, but I lent him mainly. It got me in free. Then I started bringing a big gang of lads in for it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it was a great club. It was, it was, it was a know, fantastic it, club, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, of course, the Sioux label, and you're talking about the Fascinations, you're talking about Jackie Day. I mean, yeah. there's so many fantastic records that got, yeah. got well, released on Sioux. Fascinations and, and, on Stateside. Originally, uh, yes, originally on Stateside. But I got a hell of a lot of stuff out of uh, Tony's um, and duplicates. As I say, before it's too late, I, was, I bought Blind. I don't think it was played before that on the wheel, but I don't know. I can't say it was or not. Um, uh, the, uh, the You're Ready Now one, actually, I, I was down in London and um, uh, where was it? And I bought uh, Bobby Bennett, You're Ready Now. Never heard of You're Ready Now. Yes. I just bought it because it was a demo. Yes. It was a, a Columbia demo. He, he was on Opportunity Knocks, wasn't he, Bobby Bennett, or something yeah, like that. Well, well, I didn't know all that stuff at the time. And it, I just saw Crew, Bob Crew on it and all yes, that. I thought, yes. oh, you know, well, we had Breakout and all that by Bob Crew. Yes. And so I thought, well, it might be all right, that. So yeah. for what it was, I don't know if he actually paid for it, to be fair. But 
Anyway, I, I brought it home, played it. I thought, hey, this might go down well. And then someone said, I think Frankie's here. And then I found out about the Frankie Valley. But I don't know if it had been played on the club scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it got broke at the wheel, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, we started playing the Frankie Valley, but someone said, is the kids entertaining that Bobby Bennett? I said, well, it I'm not bothered away. <laughs> it was a great version. It happens. was, yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, Later yeah. on... Uh, I think it was the catacombs of someone that started covering it up, but I've been playing it. <laughs> the lad saw them as the police been playing it up there, you know. Yeah. What was the one we played there, then? Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... Oh, Looking For You. Looking For You, yeah, yeah that was the you. first one. Gone. I it bought that you. blind. Yeah. Because that sort of got... I'd, I, I, it may have been played, you know, early on, I don't know, but before uh, 67, I don't know, but um, I bought that blind... You know, Garnet Mims, we had other stuff of these. Um, and uh, and then that got forgotten later on, because I don't think people had it. No, that's right. So again, they probably thought they rediscovered it, like we were trying to rediscover I think, it. I think, I think a little bit of that with the torch on that one, yeah. I, I think that, I think they thought they'd kind of read it. But, well, I think they thought they'd discovered it, but it was a rediscovery, yeah, you're like right. Like Queen of Fools. Yes. I bought that on a demo from Tony's. But somebody had mentioned that, actually. And um, I don't know, someone sort of, I had it in my head somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, I found the bloody thing. And that, I broke that out of the wheel. Absolutely. I mean, that, be, that became a, another one of those records that became iconic and, you know, that stood out above everything else. I mean, but, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you got you got that you got that with Skin in the Snow, you got that within Orbit, you got that with you know. I mean, every now and again, one record has seemed to rise and and just everybody would be into it, and and, and and they were rare. I mean, Keith found his copy in in, in a similar situation in the in the throwout rack in Sherwin's records downstairs in Sherwin's records at the time. Upstairs, all instruments in Hamley. Yeah. Downstairs, booths to list, listening booths. Oh, and, no, I didn't like that. I never ever. All the records I bought, I don't think ever, nobody ever played them for you. I, I finished up just buying them. Just buying them, yeah. <laughs> Either I knew them, or they looked all right, and there wasn't, you know, I was just saying, I was just buying, I was buying, you know, some and, and the more you built up your knowledge. I was buying 30 records in a yeah, day. Yeah. I had, a, you know, I owed everyone money. You know. <laughs> The, 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 luckily, I knew the girl who had the holiday fund. In fact, there's people waiting for the money to go away. <laughs> so I got myself in a lot of debt until I started. <laughs> you turned my bitter into sweet. Boy, turned my bitter into sweet.
Rishi Sunak has denied tinkering with the Rwanda policy after the sack former Home Secretary Suella You know you're done up interruption there, not quite sure what that was, I'm sure more more technical stuff, which always happens to me. Uh, we kicked off there with Mary Love and You Turned My Bitter Into Sweet we then went on to uh, Everybody Have A Good Time, that was Major Lance, of course Major Lance um, eventually released that fantastic album that was live at the Torch and then uh, one of my favourite records, particularly from the Torch era, uh, which was originally of course a wheel sound, was uh, Johnny Copeland and Suffering City and uh, he, did, he did he cut that again, didn't he, Johnny and Lily uh, um, yeah, so it was a quicker version, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit quicker, yeah. yeah. Um, um, great sounds, you know, it's still a great sound. Oh, uh, fantastic sound. Uh, Major Lance, um, I hadn't heard that one when I bought it, but that blind, but um, that and Investigate and that. But we, we knew of Major Lance. But I'm not, I think that some of the Riverman I always played earlier on, at the Old Wheel, and at Monkey Time, and obviously on my mum, but I hadn't heard those played. I'm not saying they weren't played or whatever. Uh, but um, I'd, I'd bought a couple of major lands and you know, and so you had about anything blind, really. You know, stuff what wasn't particularly great pride, enjoying different ones. Yeah. Um, and the beat, I mean, the beat was played well. Well, I'd just got the beat and then it was released, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. I just got the beat on import. I was a bit sick when that got released, to be <laughs> honest with you. 
that come out with a, with um, right track. Yes. You know, Dave yes. Godin's. Yes. Sort of yeah, that's right. Yeah, on, on Soul City. Uh, it had a bit of an hit with Nothing Can Stop Me. That's right. Yeah, Gene Chandler. All of yeah. a sudden, I think that was the biggest seller he ever had. Yeah. yeah. I think he said. Um, yeah, so... Well, again, but, but you know, the period we're talking about, uh, you know, got in through his column and, and through being able to advertise yeah. in Blues and Soul, uh, was able to lift the profile up of his label. So Soul City yeah. you know, became a very collectible label. I mean, what was it, One More Chance um, and The Star, what was her name? Yeah, Thelma. Yeah. Thelma. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Thelma, this is the house that Jack built. Yeah, yeah. No, Thelma. Thelma Jones, that was, wasn't it? It was Thelma, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yes. It was, not Thelma Houston. Thelma, Thelma Jones. Well, Miss Jones was there, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I went to David Godin's place, and um, it, I think he just moved actually from Deptford. That's right. Uh, it wasn't David. Uh, David was it was somebody else. Might have been. Was it Dave Nathan? Dave Nathan, yeah, yeah. And um, he didn't have anything I wanted personally at the time. I was told him what I was after. He didn't have anything. Oh, I was after any imports. He didn't have really any imports. I, th I think. I think. I think originally they were very hit and miss on it. I mean, they, they were just bringing in imports that they they'd found a couple of suppliers and started to bring in inputs themselves. I think it was a learning process for them as well at that time. I, I finished up. They said, "I've got an acetate here. What we've we're not never been released. I'm thinking of release. Oh, I'm thinking of releasing it. Let me just." And it was uh, twitchy feet by the soul machine. Okay. Now I did the swinging soul machine. They did Spooky's Day Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finished up getting that off him. It was an instrumental. It wasn't mm -hmm. particularly great, but I loved instrumental. You know, yeah, instrumentals yeah. were big at the time. They were. They were big through the wheel and through uh, the torch. And, yeah. um, people underestimate that. We played a lot of instrumentals. Willie yeah. Mitchell, all of Willie yeah. Mitchell yeah. stuff. Yeah. Secret yeah. Home Up Hard. Obviously Driving Pete and everyone. They were vocals. Uh, and and the Five Piper was massive. Yeah, it was massive. I, it was <laughs> oh, iconic wheel record. Yeah. Record. <laughs> and and uh, all the, a lot of other instrumentals were big. Yeah. Um, so I finished up buying that was the only thing I bought them off, off of David uh, Dave Nathan was, his, was yeah. um, uh, Twitchy Feet I right. think it come out later on ok but you know and then there, of course, there was the Chris Jackson, which never came out since, there's no doubt, no. which is a, it was a brilliant record. Um, other live acts at at, um, at the wheel, of course, Benny King. We've talked about Spencer Davis, Junior Walker, Edwin Starr, Johnny Johnson, the Bandwagon, very much of, yeah. of the day. Ernest and Charlie Fox, Mary Wells, Oscar Tony Junior, Ike and Tina Turner. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and, and and later on, I saw. Um, I'd have got them all on that stage. No, massive cracking band. Yes, it wasn't just some. You know, it was a. I've just said it was a ten-piece, but I don't know if it was. They got the Iquettes, which were a great group on their own. Yeah, yeah. And I can see in a Turner. I always remember she had a long white dress on at the time. Wow. Shot, yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I saw them again years later at the Hard Rock uh, in Manchester, which is that place up by Old Trafford. But um, yeah, phenomenal act. So I mean. I mean we got some of them. We didn't get all of them at the torch, but we certainly got some of them, and uh, we continue. It's seven minutes past ten, which means we're just past the halfway orange, and this is a man that uh, had two or three huge, huge records back in the day.
Choices of Mr. Well, my special guest tonight, Mr. Uh, Brian Forty Five Phillips, and uh, we kicked off there with with Mitch Ryder. I mean, he came and did the uh, Prestatin Weekend. He, he was still very much on it, and he, he, he's fantastic live. I can't remember did Mitch Ryder do the wheel. I don't no, think he no. did back then. No, but, no, uh, it was popular about the wheel. I mean, not that one. I mean, originally it was Breakout. Devil with a blue dress. Devil with a blue dress. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, that, that was, that was and a that big obviously garagey, but there was a certain section who liked that who went mad for that, the Backdrop Brigade. <laughs> yes, and yes. I, you know, I found this one, you, you get your kicks and um, got it from input. I think that come out of Randy's. Uh, and then, probably nobody but me. That's why I wanted to know, James, what was played from from when it was released. Uh, you know, that type of stuff, they, 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 we'd have a section of uh, who went backdropping for all that. Yeah. So you'd have a bit of a spell of playing that type of stuff. You know, 100 mile an hour type stuff, yeah. really. You, know and, and I mean? you, you mentioned earlier on to me off air that there, there was a group that came and, and, and the, 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 was it the backing band or, or, the, or, the, or the vocalists were doing backdrops? What was that group, the name of that group? No, oh, that was Alvin Cash. That was Alvin Cash, That's yeah. why I played yeah. Twine Time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. that's where they got the backdrops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the impressions, one of your favourites, one of my, well, fantastic. I mean, written by Curtis Mayfield, of course. Well, it was uh, You want to be in heaven. Yeah, it was. One of my favourite artists. Impressions, Bobby Bland, were two of my favourites, and Major Lance. And more or less, I think I've got everything under Impressions, and that was obviously an import one. Yeah. So we didn't know about that. Yeah, time. no, no, that's yeah, right. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was all UK, stateside, you've been cheating, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that, yeah, that was the lesson. No, was, no, no stateside, that was re-releases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been cheating. That was a re-release. That you're talking about. We didn't play. Re- I didn't play any no re-releases. Well, they were played. You know, they were. Yeah, played. yeah. Daryl yeah. Banks and there's somebody somewhere. You know, and a classic artist and yeah, yeah, brilliant label as well. Revolo. So I mean, you, you got all that. Uh, well, but, no, originally we played the the I Can See the Turner version. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the other track we had on Warner Brothers? Was it Linda? 
Linda Jones. Linda Jones. The other side of hypnotised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My uh, heart needs a break, was it? That was on Loma, wasn't it? Uh, can't remember. Oh, I'm trying to think what it was called now. We played, it was a quicker version on the other side of Hypnotised. Hypnotised yeah. was the A side. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another phenomenal artist, another absolutely phenomenal Dad artist. Too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, yeah, we were talking, uh, we're talking about uh, live with, uh, I still occasionally talk to a daughter uh, on Facebook. I mean, you know, there, there is a museum, actually, of, of some level where she's got some content of, of oh, Linda nice. Jones uh, over there in the States. Yeah, yeah. Such a shame. It was indeed. We continue with a record that we both like.
three. That one's finished, Mr. Curtis. So uh, we'll talk about these two records and we'll move on to something else. Um, I won't move on to the one you mentioned after after digging out my box. Just give me uh, give me something uh, to kick us off. Uh, but three records there. We started off with Clifford Curry, which you said you originally owned on on the Elf label. Um, yeah. Of course, it got a British release on Palmer, and you know definitely one of my favourites. So later, it got released on Palmer. Yes, it yeah. did. Yeah, yeah later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. Uh, but you've said it I agree with you but the best version of I Hit on the other side by Jerry Cook which you say you sold you think you sold a copy to uh... I think Bob Trocker got my copy yeah but funny enough the, the uh, Clifford Curry was more originally a catacombs or a Jew uh, 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 yeah I think I got that off Bob Trocker right uh, right right um, but he's um, Bob Bob Crocker you know, I mean, that, that whole thing that was happening in Wolverhampton, I mean, it was Wolverhampton people who started to come to the torch, you know, on the Friday nights before the all-nighters and, and uh, you know, Manchester. Mm. I mean, th- these were crucial areas. Derby, uh, I don't know if you, what was it, the guy's name in Derby? He had, he had so many, um, so many Motown demos and, you know, just unbelievable amount of Motown demos. He was a friend of Charlie Waring. Uh, we talked about at the top. I can't remember his name. Uh, Rob, Rob something. Rob Roy. somebody. Roy. It was Roy, wasn't Roy. it? Roy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And a motorbike. Big motorbike. Yeah, yeah. But then he sold his record sport to fancy car and then wrapped it around a tree. <laughs> nice lad. <laughs> he was a nice lad. Old wheel lad. Yes. Yeah. yeah wheel. I mean, he, he was the one, one of the ones who turned up at the, the Magic Roundabout in um, in Burslin. Roy Harris. Was it Roy Harris? I, I can't remember what his surname was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the chase is on what we played. Uh, that's a record corner record. We got quite a bit. Of, I got quite a bit of Brunswick stuff out of them. Yeah, um, Jackie Wilson, you brought about a change in me. Yeah, uh, sweetest feeling. That the, the, they had certain stuff hanging about there of the, the Brunswick. Um, yeah, on Brunswick label. Uh, yeah. uh, again, again. I mean, I mean, in America, a major label and and, and a major label that, that, that quite often didn't bother paying the artists, mm. but uh, artists. Of course, later, of course, the. Uh, the other version of The Chasers On became a huge record for me at the Mecca. Um, I can't remember his name now. The Chasers, Johnny Howard. Yeah, Johnny oh, Howard's Johnny version. Howard, yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. version. Yeah. But a great song well, anyway. Bit more umph with that one, yeah. Yeah, there was. We, we love the artistics, I mean. Yes, no, I agree. Uh, obviously, we had um, Hope We Have, which yep. was a B-side. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant record. Brilliant record. Uh, the other side of I'm Gonna Miss You. Yeah. The Girl I Need, which is another one that come out on Coral. Yeah. Uh, this out of mine, which I think was a, I think I got that off. Uh, some of the Bridge North lads used to come up from the catacombs. They'd come, turn up about three o'clock after the cat, cats had shut. Yeah, yeah. And I'd bought a few records off them. You know, they were they were well clued up. Um, yeah, no, they were absolutely. I mean, yeah. when when Pep was on the show, he talked about those guys a lot. I mean, Bridge North and, and you know, you've mentioned we've mentioned you know, Bob right the way through Alan Ness. I mean, everybody, everybody down there was definitely on it. And I then, think I got. Um, Dolby Grey out on the floor off them. Yeah. If I remember, because I think that'd be about, that'd be 69. Yeah. Dolby Grey. Yeah. Uh, so that was big. Um, that was, you know, obviously we we played the in crowd year, years ago. That was original mod sound. Yeah. The Dolby yeah. Grey. Yeah. Um, I think I got that off them actually. Or well, done some trades anyway. Because I had stuff they didn't have. But I think, yeah, might have been 50 Bob that. Might have been the dearest record I ever bought. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> two and a half quid, yeah. <laughs> More debt. 
wrapping up three. Brilliant sounds of Taj Mahal. We go back to the top. It's twenty-two. Well, twenty-two thirty-nine. So we we we're now well into the third hour. But we kicked off there with another record. Became an iconic instrumental. I mean, we talked a lot about instrumentals, particularly at the wheel. Uh, also, the torch instrumentals were probably at one point forty, even fifty percent of, of what was played. Well, I don't feel it was that bad, but there was a lot of instrumentals. <laughs> and six by six was one of the biggest records on the scene. Without the wheel, that, when it took off at the wheel, yeah, and the catacombs would have been playing it. You know, they, yeah. they had it as well, obviously. Uh, I mean, I mean it, back in those days, Brian, super rare record. It, it, it wasn't, you know, it got reissued, but I mean, it wasn't easy to get in, in those early days. Well, there was that, and I mean, on the same label, we had Francis Nero. Francis Nero, yeah. Okay, it was another great record. That was a yeah, good record. Fantastic we record. We didn't play as much Motown as it went on. No. We, had, we still played the Spinners and uh, some of the Velvelettes, so always got a bit of a ring, or L Plus. Yeah. Some great ones, but we didn't play the more common, you know. No. So Paul, would you would Paul, you play Marvin Gaye, Little Darling? Well, I no, no, no. not at the wheel. It was a, you'd hear that in all over club. Yeah, and how but, sweet it is, uh, you'd hear that. Paul Davis, who was on early on, yep. he'd play the newer stuff, and he'd also play that type, not, I wouldn't say Little Darling, he'd probably, he played Little Darling, yeah. So he'd play a little bit the more, like, what well-known stuff. Yeah. Mixed in, because, funny enough, his signature tune was All For You by uh, Earl Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. So we'd play that and then start off, mix a few rarer ones in, but play a lot of well-known, what you would call, you know, like, open the door to your heart, stuff yeah. like that. Brilliant yeah. tunes. Yeah. Just yeah. really good soul music. Yeah. But you could hear it in other clubs type of things. Yeah. So we played more of the rarer stuff later on. Right. In fact, the first time I DJed there, I had him and I were saying, oh, you're going mad, you're playing too much, you know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> We got over that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went on to Denise O'Sal, which is, you know, iconic music. Yeah, another, another reputation. Uh, again, another import. There was, as I said, there was a lot of imports played towards uh, the last, from 69, you know. There was, I'm not saying they weren't played here and there before, but it got very common in 1970 for the imports. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and then we finish off with the uh, version of the Homer Banks. And, uh, I, I mean, you've got a story, I've got one as well, because, I mean, when Keith... Minchel first found it. It was only on the album. He only got the album at that point. Oh, well, you know that. And he got a guy with 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 a no, with a hot yeah. wire to cut because it was the last track. Yeah. And well, he used to play to thirty three. Is that how you play? <laughs> a lad called Jim Holiday who yeah. come down from Carlisle. There was a big crowd come down from Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alec, Alec Ray, and uh, George. There's a other lads. Uh, Dicky Watt. Did, well, so, D- Dickie Watts, uh, yeah. poorly, very yeah, poorly yeah. nowadays. But Dickie Watt, of course, was John Anderson's accountant. He was my accountant and Richard's accountant. I've known Dickie for a long, long time. In fact, he walked... I was sitting in the house one day, and he walked in, and he says, I've got some, I brought somebody to, to meet you, I brought somebody to meet you. And, and Blue Max walked through the door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, Dickie Watt, I mean, he, he, well, he got some nice... I know all of them. I used to go and meet them when they come, uh, come off the train. Right, OK. You know, they'd get off the train station. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's early doors, maybe score a bit of gear or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, Bicycle gear, you mean, not you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd meet those. Uh, and I lad, the Jim Halliday... Who come up always oh, with Dicky Watt? Yeah, yeah. Alec. Uh, he'd had it cut fr- from the rock album, what it was on. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. It was the, that's he'd right. had it all cut out because he was an engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. how I, it was played. Yeah, that's, out how, the that's wheel. how Keith got it. He that's got some ways to cut that's it. That's how out. I played it at the wheel. 
<laughs> but don't get me wrong, Homer Banks was a great version. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, going back, I mean, 60 Minutes of Your Love, a lot yeah. of love, Hook by Love. I mean, oh, those, those were records that got us into yeah. this stuff. Well, that had been re released on Minute, if you remember, yes. from the Liberty original. You had to stop playing it then, did you? Uh, so we've, we've, we've sort of uh, <laughs> manipulated so started play, play. playing it all in the other clubs, so we, <laughs> we have to try and move on, you know. Uh, you know. But I think, I think. You know, that attitude that you're talking about, you know, which we adopted at Blackpool Mecca, um, you know, from 7.30 till 9 at Blackpool Mecca, you'd hear records that you wouldn't hear, you know, there were either new stuff that we'd come across or new releases, you know, and then 9 o'clock you kick in with the body of the night. And then when Wigan opened, that gave me the opportunity to develop a thing in the last hour where I can play records that I want to play that weren't necessarily immediately dancers, but some of them became very popular. So I think... You know, the attitude that you're talking about, I mean, you know, we smile, but without that attitude, these clubs wouldn't exist. Well, it was a bit elitist in a way. Of course it was. But, uh, I mean, that's... That's what gave them that edge, O'Brien, that, you know, DJs like yourself, who were pushing the envelope a little bit and not just sticking to the obvious, because eventually the obvious become... Everybody's got the obvious, and then your club's not unique anymore. Well, as I say, I thought... Well, the all-nighters, they didn't come to hear the same as what they could hear. It, you no. know, it wasn't youth club music, but you could... Um, there's certain stuff you could hear in, not, in a normal club. Yeah. Um, they come to hear certain... Obviously, they come for the scene. Yes. But the records as well. You know, it was a, it was a package, wasn't it? It was a great club. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, and uh, the dancing and all that, but the rare records as well. They did come to hear stuff. They hadn't hear absolutely, hundred percent. And 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 you know, as with the catacombs, you know, the torch, and and particularly twisted wheel, they're not going to hear them records in the week. It's next time you come back there, and that's what brings them back. That was part of it. So I do think that 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 policy is the correct policy. <laughs>
Phillips, of course, uh, ex-DJ and one of the major influences at uh, the Twisted Wheel, along with the man who, who really lifted the Twisted Wheel in the first place, that's Mr. Roger, Roger Eagles, Brian Ray DJ there, uh, you know, great days, and uh, we kicked off those two records with one of the greatest, uh, Mr. Jackie Wilson and Soul Galore. Well, funny enough, that, sorry my LP tracks, I was a mad Jackie Wilson fan and I bought, I bought the uh, Soul Galore album, you could get it, you know, in England, oh, it's like an hand shop, yep. that Godly's off Shudell. But I think his son was in uh, Lold Cream and Godly. Godly yeah, oh, right, old okay. Had a shop. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was an electrical shop, but he sold records. Sold records. Mainly well. LPs. Yeah. And I got the other album there, Whispers, which I used to play. I had him cut onto a, a, a small... I had a few singles cut. Uh, you can count on me off it. Yeah. And you yeah. brought about a change in me off you it. Brought, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and I think we also played I Lost You off there. Yeah, that's right. So we had them. Um, there was quite a few LP tracks. You know, you know what I mean? But you just didn't want to lug LPs about with you. Well, back in them, no, yeah, virtually no DJs lugged LPs about. I mean, I mean that uh, didn't come until the 70s. Isley Brothers tell me just a rumour that got played off the It LP. did indeed, yeah, off the know. American LP and, and well, the British Starlight. It LP. didn't get played that often because people didn't want to lug the LP around. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> they might have got it caught on an Emmy disc, but, yeah. uh, um, you know, there was a few tracks, LP tracks. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, Jackie Lee was a brilliant tune. Yes. But that was actually just after I'd gone that. Yeah. I got a copy, but I'd already left. Uh, I think um, I think Carl Dean had got that. Mm-hmm. I think he had a spare copy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how it finished up at the wheel. Or somebody else got it. I don't know, to be honest with you. So Carl, Carl, Carl you mentioned earlier on, Carl would go down to London. He'd, he'd do a bit down there, a bit with FL Moore. No, I don't. I don't. I think he went to FL Moore, but or, or I think people who'd been to FL Moore. Had sold him records okay. from FL okay. Moore. Okay. I think that's where it, the stuff had come okay. from. I know Baby Reconsider come from there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, probably Jackie Lee. I don't know. So uh, that was that was the second one. We just played Darkest Days, Jackie Lee, iconic Twisted Wheel record. Ben? Oh, yeah. Jackie Lee was the second one. Yeah, just sort of mentioned that. Haven't I? Just talked the about. Third it. one was um, JJ Barnes. Yeah. Please let me in. Well, I think that I think. Ian Levine come down, but he didn't know anybody. In fact, I was the only person he knew. Yeah. He'd been buying records. Yeah, yeah. And he come down as I was sort of leaving, really, the last few months, last three months, whatever. And I think that's one of these he brought down. Okay. I think he brought that on the Wingate Street or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, you know, yeah. a couple of imports, really, that was it. Because he was a Mad Rick Tip fan. He was, yeah, yeah. Well, Mad some, Motown and then Mad I'd Rick Tip, yeah. I sold him some Rick Tip stuff previously, um, you know. So he was a mad Rictic fan. So, Twisted Wheel, you, you'd done your residency and then you, then you continued to sell records to DJs, you got your mail order list and that ran till about, what, 75? Yeah, yeah, 75. I lost interest because I didn't like, I was losing interest because I was getting good stuff, you couldn't sell it, mm-hmm. you know, 50 pence or whatever. And some crap, you could you could sell loads of copies of it for mm-hmm. eight or nine quid. Oh, some, not all of it, but yeah, some yeah, of it. Yeah. So I was losing a bit of touch. I thought, is this the what's what's popular now? You know mm-hmm. I mean, not. Yeah. Oh, I had the tam, had the tamangos and things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, uh, Arcs and what have you, but uh, and some of the what's gone big money now, and probably you know thousands of other records. But uh, there was a lot of stuff what was coming through later on. What for me was a bit what I thought was wigging up, wigging up, a bit popish. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Not popish, a bit. It was just the beat. Yeah, quality yeah, out of it. Yeah. And I didn't like what, you know, it all got commercialised and I, yes. I'm losing a bit of touch or whatever. Okay. And uh, anyway, I just jacked it in. But I was earning quite a bit of money out of the records then, yeah. to be fair. I, I went, I, jacked, I needed something to tie me down. So, so at that period, you didn't tell everybody a lot, a lot of money you've no, started to stabilise. I made money, not lots of money, but I made decent money. Yeah. And I bought with the news agency to tie me down. Okay. Uh, but because I was, I was sort of living off the records and yeah. not living a, you know, I was going to get married and all this sort of business. So I thought, I'll get out of the records. I okay. just got out when I was earning probably the most, in a way. Okay. And, 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 and I wasn't then, driven by money, if you know what I mean. No, no, I get that, I get that, Brian. You're I, only driven by money when you completely got none. When you've got none, that's right. That, <laughs> yeah, that drives you to money. So, so, uh, then, then this, this, you know, 
period of hibernation, however long. When, when did you come back? When did you start when, getting when back into records film, again? Someone was put an appeal out for me on uh, Richard Turling's show. Okay. But I didn't listen to that. And someone said, I know where he is. He's got a shop up and he had a news agent, blah, blah, blah. So, and then my missus at the time phoned in the, the, the show. And then next minute, just after the show, Ian Levine's on the doorstep with cameras. Time to think about it or anything. <laughs> He's putting words in my mouth. <laughs> he was on his way back to London. Yeah, yeah. He come with is it Ralph or someone. Yeah, Ralph T. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I said, oh, well, well, I was watching the football. I remember it. A Sunday afternoon, Arsenal were playing Blackburn or someone like that. I'm like, leave me. I don't want this now. <laughs> I don't, you know. <laughs> Very persuasive. Well, yeah. It wasn't a very good interview because uh, you need time to yeah, of course you do, to yeah. get yourself yeah. back yeah. again. You know, yeah, I did an interview for that film as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in a wicker chair, yeah, <laughs> so, so made it seventies authentic. He says, "Haven't you got anywhere else? You got Cotswold <laughs> pictures on the wall? I haven't got a record room or anything." You know. <laughs> anyway, so. I went to the Mecca reunion. That's yep. when I bumped into you for the first time. Yeah, that's right. Long he got time, us on yeah. stage and gave us yep. a glass. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> no, but I mean, for, for me, you you were one of the crucial dealers. Who, who not not only would you have records that we would want, but you would, could also recommend records that weren't known. Still, you were still got that ability. And and uh, you said earlier on about the thirty second thing. I mean, I I, I kind of got that as well. Yeah. You know, and and I think the best DJs have got that ability. You know, to recognise pretty pretty quickly, and also learn off the information on the records, the arrangers, the writers. Well. I used to sell a lot of records. Good time. Good time. Everybody loves a good time. Yeah. Approval. Yep. So, right, if you don't like it, send it back. Yep. As long as it's back proper. I don't want it back in two pieces like some of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because we... Uh, so I used to sell quite a lot of records on approval. And, and and do that. So so you you're coming back into where are we now? About two thousand and eight. No, nineteen ninety nine. He did that. Nineteen ninety nine. Okay. And then I started going to old do's and all that, and some reunion wheel rings and one thing another. And uh, I went to some of the old do's and I, I was all right and so on. And then I started getting into the mod scene a bit because my mate was doing that. Okay. Uh, some good R and B stuff and a bit of right side in Northern. Yeah. Yeah. But I then I started buying a few records again because I did a bit of a spot for Neil Rushton uh, at the um, Leo Leo wherever it was or something. Um, yeah, but it's, it's Salvation. Uh, yes. Anyway, yeah. and then down in Redditch, yeah. And I did a few other bits of jobs, uh, and then I, I started listening to just I'd sold a business then. I had a, a, a card business. I sold that loads of time on my hand, and I just started listening to tons and tons of records on the yeah. internet. Yep. And I started like the, the sort of funky type edge stuff. So I was just listening. I wasn't hearing them anywhere because yep. I wasn't, they weren't playing anywhere. And then I started buying records under 50 quid, that building that side of it up. Yep, yep. <coughs> and then there was a place like uh, Black Bee started about 212. Yeah. And they were all young kids, but the, the music was energising you. Yes, yes. I didn't like where the soul, soul scene was going with all these beat ballads and yes. people, old people shuffling about. <laughs> I like the, you know, the younger lads who were running these. Two <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And they give you energy. Yeah, And yeah. I've been building up the records, so I DJ'd for them pretty quickly. 
Tesco and built up a, a lot of good stuff what I thought yep. for like under 50 quid and plus a few extras and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like the next record you're going to play, um, which was like 20 quid records. And then one thing leads to another and you, it gets a bit possessive and you start spending a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> <you know. laughs> The, u- the usual record addiction. Let's start off and play some of the records from the second so period. I just thought I would put these words into this song. And you can take it from there. Okay, baby.
on the Hit Mix Radio 107.5 FM each and every month we do this uh, Soul Series special with Colin Curtis tonight my guest Extristed Wheel uh, DJ Mr Brian 45 Phillips but now we're going into Brian 45 Phillips Phase 2 <laughs> so <laughs> we kicked off with a record uh, on House of Fox which is of course the uh, little Johnny Blair label uh, tell us about that yeah, well, yeah, tell, yeah, tell yeah. us about all three of these because these are, these are new to me tonight well 
that one in particular, I mean, it's it's gone mainstream now and crossed over. It has been for a while. We probably wouldn't play that on a, on a sort of funky edge scene. But uh, it's sort of records when I started thinking, oh, I'll get everything under 50 quid and build up. I like this sort of sound. I just was listening to lots and lots of records uh, at Solder Business. And that's one idea. And you could pick it up at 20 quid. Yeah. I mean, bought about four or five copies. It's about four or five hundred now. Yeah. And I, I sold them off at 100 quid. You know, you just sort of, even though I can afford it, it's a bit of a game, trying to fund your own. Yes. But anyway, the 50 quid went out of the window and I started picking up. <laughs> yeah. It went to 100, then 150. <laughs> and uh, one of them records there, uh, the last one in particular, uh, that's about a two grand, two and a half grand record. Wow. And it, the day this record I bought at the time, it was about, I think I paid 900 quid for it. Yeah. And that uh, was? Uh, um, that was the Foreign Blue, Blue Renaissance, Finding You. Okay, that was the last of the three. Yeah, I then. think that was um, a record originally played at Burnley, and uh, okay, it's quite rare. I think, but there's a few people played it. Mick H plays it. Yeah, um, Joan. Yeah, um, Jumping Joan. Yeah, but it's quite a rare record. I think it's a, fa but it's not. I'm not, but you know, it's a fantastic record. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but you've yeah. just explained that by saying you, you buy them for 20 quid and, and then they go up because of the demand, so they must be good records. So, uh, the Durando one in the middle, Pulliam, what was the one in the middle? Uh, Durando Pulliam, the one in the middle, how I got over. Uh, I think I think that was sort of Paul old record who played that. I remember it at, uh, in about 19, 2008, I used to go to um, Soul or Nothing. Yeah. But I wasn't buying then. And I think it's the sort of record he played there. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he, he got—he was one of the sort of people who pushed this funky edge type stuff. Yeah. Um, Paul Sado and Carl Earl, and uh, uh -huh. you know, they played some great stuff. So, where were they playing? What what clubs would they be in? Uh, well, Steve Cato used to put a do on called Soul or Nothing. Yeah. He had various. He was always moving venues, but he, he had uh, Lloyd Street and uh, other venues, then the Atlas Bar um, and Blue Parrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always had. Uh, um, is this in Manchester? Yeah, yeah. Grand okay. Point Lion. He had various venues, and he he put a, a mixture of DJs on. But they, they used to play there, um, and I think they played up at uh, Lowton as well. Yeah, in the back room. I didn't yeah, yeah. Go, I didn't go there to be fair, but you know they were sort of breaking a lot of records. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I say, I, I, I didn't. Um, I finished up listening to a lot of stuff online. Yeah, and. Um, Making your own Making choices. Making my own band. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, need to see yeah. a full floor or anything. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could tell a good record. Uh, and as I say, I got the... I started picking up records again. And then I, um, then the Black Bee started. They were playing... They were playing more Northern, but it... The, the, it was energy. Not yeah. all this, as I say, people, all women shuffling about and all yeah, yeah. shuffling about. <laughs> you know, like a Sunday afternoon thing. <laughs> It, it wasn't that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, there I mean? was an edge to it. It was energy. energy. They got some energy, and a, yeah. And a yeah. bit of a cooler venue, not somewhere where they're all, you're all queued up like in the working men yeah. or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> More funk from Brian Phillips. <laughs>
Of uh, Brian 45, Phil playing some fantastic records here. And uh, tell us about those last three. Yeah. I think you only played two. Uh, well, that's me. I think you'll get uh, mixed uh, up. Yeah, it's, it's because it's half 11. Uh, <laughs> Lost in the Crowd, Billy Bird. Tell us about that one first on Scream Records. And that's. Uh, well, I think it was known for the other side. Okay. Uh, Silly Kind of Love, yeah. I think it was more known for that. And I think, I must admit, I think it was Andy Dyson who had that played off. A fantastic record. Well, it, it's, so, got, it's got all the classic ingredients of a rare record because the matrix number is S001. You know, how many yeah. times is the first record uh, absolutely brilliant and, and also and very rare? It, so, them two there, you only played two, was okay. I'll leave the one out now. <laughs> but <laughs> are not really funky, well, they're sort of funky, they've got a little bit of slight on that side, but they, they fit in with the uh, you can play them and mix them in with the funky edge type stuff. Yeah, and you say there's a remix uh, of that and one. The other one was. Uh, Henry Ivy, who left you standing there. Yeah, which, which is a fantastic is record. Slightly more on the modern. I don't really go for modern a lot of it, modern soul, but that one in particular is. Uh, um, well, to, to, to me, to me, it'd be modern in the sense that it's forty years old, modern. But um, yeah, that's the way round we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you know what I'm saying? But you're switching it round one way and then another. We've got some more coming your way. We're on the right side, are we? We're yeah, on, on the, the right, right side. side. And doing it right. 22 yeah. minutes after 11, you're with Colin Curtis. And our special guest, Brian Phillips. Talk to you, yeah, baby. Things on my mind, darling. I wanna say to you, your love, your love, your love, baby. It's got a hold on me, yeah. It's like quicksand, baby. 
revitalised and re-energised Mr Brian Phillips has selected some fantastic music for us and uh, we kicked off you can tell us about the first one which you said was Panama connected yeah yeah Ralph uh, Weeks let me do my thing uh, all the copies seem a bit knackered usually when you get them <laughs> a bit like a bit like some of the West Indian yeah. that's pretty yeah. good <laughs> I think that one is uh, I mean that's been played it gets even played on the R&B type scene it yeah. mixes across you know could play it on the funky head scene it's well known tune, um, and then we got Boko followed that again. That sort of unusual type tune, really. Uh, you wouldn't think it'd sort of be an all nighter tune, but it was one or two started playing it. I think it more come from Europe, okay? Because Europe are a bit more. They've not got the baggage, what we... What no, no, well, I, I, I said to you yeah. off air, you know, I, I had a conversation many times with uh, Mr Dobson, a butcher, about, you know, when when you go into Europe, you, it's, it's almost like you you can go back and just clear the decks and just start playing records that you want to play, which is kind of the enthusiasm I'm seeing from you tonight, you know, yeah, playing these records. Yeah, I'm to play records. a bit of a mixed bag, because it depends where you're DJing. Like, you wouldn't... We've got some... I've got some nice crossover stuff there, but it's... What I'd call crossover, a bit of umph. It's not this namby pamby wallpaper type stuff. It's got a little bit of an edge on so, it. So you you you've mentioned um, Andy Dyson. You've mentioned uh, Greg Belson. You know, t- mm. tell us some of the clubs that, that you you know about and you know, that are playing this kind of music. Uh, well, it depends what we're talking about because some don't go into well, the uh, venues. A mixture, I'm trying to play a bit of a cross thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, stuff I play like. Well, his sole function was great, but they lost the venue. Mm-hmm. That was more funk all yep. nighter. Yep. Brilliant. Um, Dave uh, Abbott, great lad, and Sean Aiden run that, and, okay. and, and Gaz. Uh, the Burnley all night had been going for years. Yeah. I yep. think Phil run that, but then Sean Aiden took over. That's not. That's more of a northern with the right type of northern. Okay. It's got to be a bit more up tempo. They don't yeah, want yeah. Slow, no, slow, no, slow. no, 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 no. You know, people say, I remember Butch coming back from there and telling me that, and then he dug some records out that they played, and you know, he, he got them himself, but he'd, he'd never considered them. But he heard them in that scenario and realized they got potential, yeah, yeah. Because I think people thought they say, No, it's too fast for today's thing. There isn't, no, there's one or two you might have to go on a bit of an egg, <laughs> but they play fat. The, the, the younger people want faster stuff, they don't want this, uh, well, not so. Can't speak for everyone, but Burnley were playing more the right side, what I call a northern, with a slight edge. Yeah, not not softy northern, and also when Sean got it, he started started introducing a little bit of funky side as well, mm-hmm. or a little bit of funk, but not too much because it was more northern based. But yeah, yeah, funky edge northern maybe. Carl Erd was one of the people driving it all on. And then you got the last one there, which got a nice kick to it as well, some brilliant vocals, Moving and Grooving by Little Francisco Greaves, yeah. which you say has been reissued. Well, it's come out on some sort of new release, I don't know if it's official or not, that's a that's a, a pretty rare one, that one. I don't know too many play, people playing that. It's just, a, I had, someone had it up for sale. and that, Again, Panama. He had a sound clip. They don't, they, thought, do they not brilliant. have sleeves in Panama? You just sell records and put them all in Because there's a bloke who sells loads of Panama stuff and it's always scratched up and all that. That's not in bad nick, that, actually. That's no, rare. no. That's rare. And it never comes up. I've never... The only other copy I've ever seen someone put it on Discogs for about 1,100 quid. Wow. And it was G, you probably wouldn't even be able to play the bloody no, thing. No, no, no. I think that was a demo as well. It'll just be background noise. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's uh, 11.35, you're with Colin Curtis and Brian Phillips on Soul Series Special. Uh, we've got 25 minutes to rock, so uh, more music, why not? Mm-hmm. 
Another day might be too late 
three more tunes from Brian Phillips uh, tell us a little bit about that well that was well, uh, that last one then we'll work our way back that's Unchanging Times Records it's by Bob Blackney Bob uh, Blakeney, or Bob yeah. Blakeney yeah Blackney. you say it how you want with, with the pastels very nice I'm just your yo-yo honey yeah well I thank Tim Smithers for that one he's a real digger on the old south coast there he, he finds stuff and I think he got about five or six copies and I think we all got one off him there uh, me, Sean Aid, and a few other lads. He's uh, got, some, got some nice got changes in that. It sounds, sounds like an all-nighter record. Just like we said off air, it could go yeah, in any era. Like, 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 like an Eddie yeah. Parker tune. And uh, before that? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, that, uh, oh, we played uh, the Sacred Four. Didn't yeah, we? we did, yeah. Start off uh, with that. Somebody watching you. Yeah. That was probably, I don't know who started it off, Greg Belson or whatever, but it's obviously funky gospel. Yeah. Big all-nighter yeah. tune. Yeah. Great all night. Very, very good. And then Friendship Train, fantastic and that version. that was version of Friendship Train. I think I got that. I'd not heard that anywhere out anywhere. I think I, I heard it off of, I think it was George Mood. He had it on one of his lists, you know. Okay. Got a great intro. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Fantastic version. Yeah. And uh, a great gospel sound anyway, but I mean, yeah, glad it's not classic, but sounding very, very good. 23.48. We're going to try and squeeze three more in, and then uh, we're nearly at the finish line. Four hours of music and great music.
so we're, we're running out of time. Maybe squeeze one more record in or, or the piece of one more record. Uh, tell us quickly about those last two, Brian. Well, it's grooving along there, uh, which I think was a John Weston sort of discovery. He yep. got it out of Johnny Beggs' box. Uh, it was a cheap tune, more of a garagey type one. Yep. That's crossed over to the mainstream now. You see all, a lot of the mainstream DJs looking for it. Okay. Uh, then there's a real left field one, probably... I think Amanda Cottrell got a lot of copies on internet and a, a Red Indian sort of record, Red Man. Um, and the, last, the last one was... Uh, Billy Young. Billy Young, which I've got a lot of stuff of Billy Young. He's done some great stuff. Got probably about a dozen records of his uh, stuff from Van Gogh and that one. And uh, I think it was Bob... Gospel Bobby was playing that at Soul Function. Okay. And it, it blew me away, you know, and I managed to pick up a load of copies and supplied a lot of the other DJs with it, put it up. So, unfortunately, even after four hours of running out of time, I, I know you've, you've only just started on this stuff, so may, maybe next year come back and we'll just play yeah. this stuff, because uh, it's great to see you revitalised. I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. You've been absolutely fantastic, and uh, an insight into where you came from, an insight into one of the greatest clubs in the Northern Soul scene, which is the Twisted Wheel, and also an insight into what's out there now, and uh, got you enthused again. Yeah, it's not something to play now, the wheel stuff, but you wanted a Twisted Wheel thing, so... I probably should have... I'd like to have played a bit more of this stuff. Was part, but yeah, part, was part of this series was going back... Just going yeah. back over that. Yeah, but yeah. I, know, I now know you've yeah. got plenty more to say, so uh, maybe 2024, yeah. eh? Thank you, Brian. You've been absolutely right, fantastic. Great. Cheers, Colin. Thanks for listening.